Welcome to The World According to Craig. In this week's episode, we have a dear friend of mine who has known me longer than most human beings, and so it's shocking that both she and I are still alive, uh, as she's an amazing executive and career woman and mother, and that's the topic we're most excited to talk about with her. So welcome to Jenny Mariasis. Happy to be here. What an honor. <laughs> and how bizarre. I know. To speak to you in this very, it's not formal because we're in your home, but, right. uh, you know. For somebody that you've known this long to be like, okay, let's have an interview. Yeah, there's, it's, there's a structure to it. We are six <laughs> feet apart. Very yeah. COVID compliant. I appreciate it. We're trying, we're trying to do it all right. Um, and I know that we're one of the things we're going to talk about today and the thing is really uh, this concept of, of motherhood and, and all the different pieces of that. But I would love for people to get a sense first of who you are. You are a, a Brooklyn native in Brooklyn, New Yorker. Um, I was born and raised proudly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been to Brooklyn all of six times and right. despite of being to New York a hundred times. Missing out. I know, I know. I hear, I hear great things about the William Bale, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the hotel. Uh, your parents still live in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yes, in the home I grew up in. Amazing. And you are an only child and of, and they were first generation. I'm first generation. They were immigrants and they both came from the former Soviet Union in the late seventies and were set up on a blind date in Brooklyn. That's that's amazing. It all happened in Brooklyn. (laughs) Good things happened in Brooklyn. What was that? So, you know, what was that like growing up? Because I obviously had, as you know, I had a non-traditional childhood to say the least. Um, an orphan and now not an only child, but, you know, growing up a first generation only child, what was that like growing up in, in Brooklyn? Was it common in the neighborhood? Was it an ethnic enclave? um, I grew up in a neighborhood that was primarily Irish and Italian, very working class, you know, doctors, lawyers, cops, that's what people did. Uh, The odd family that was in, you know, waste management. (laughs) for pe- people who are fans of The Sopranos would know. People yes. who are from big cities would know what, what that means. Uh, and but there are there are you know it's it's a it's a big city. There's about six million people in Brooklyn, immigrants from everywhere, and there is a very large sort of Russian population there. And most most of the Russian people that have immigrated to the U.S. came in two waves in 1979. And then 1989 onwards. So there is there was a gap there, and you can kind of tell when right. people came. You know, some were more assimilated than others. And I felt like I was very much an American. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Brooklyn. But a fun fact: I don't know if if you know this, but when I went to school, when I went to pre-K, I didn't speak English. No, I I knew that you grew up speaking Russian, but I didn't realize you didn't speak English. That's it's it's absurd, actually, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I was raised by my grandparents who only spoke Russian to the day they died, barely spoke English, understood, but barely spoke. And my parents only spoke to me in Russian. So I was oddly raised as an immigrant, even though I was very much an American. (laughs) You... You know, being a native, proud New Yorker and Brooklynite, um, you moved to L.A., but, you know, was that what was it like leaving that environment? You were close to your grandparents. You were incredibly close to your parents and you flew the coop into college and then out here. 
I was always very close to my parents as an only child. You know, there's no other way and very close to my family. And but I was still at the same time incredibly independent. So I've always wanted to live a bigger life. I've always known you as that like strong, independent woman. And, and then I got the layers behind that. Yes. As and time by the on. way, that's very much a credit to my parents, namely my mother, who's also an incredibly strong woman who worked my entire life, still works. I was a latchkey kid and it, it was thrilling. You know, it was thrilling to be on my own. I, I think I told you this. <clears throat> my anecdote was like, I, I can eat in my bedroom. I can have <laughs> snacks in my bed. You know, all these rules that applied when I was growing up at home didn't. So I found it thrilling to be on my own. And and my parents, I know it was hard for them to let me go. But ultimately, they knew it was important. And they knew, obviously, it was character building. And then afterwards, I moved out to L.A. in 2004 for a job. And I've been here ever since at that very same job. <laughs> to the warm, welcoming embrace of the entertainment industry. Right. I, it's basically, I'm like a 1950s insurance man. I just started a job and just stayed there for decades. <laughs> That's, I mean, you. to be fair, you are very good at that job. Well, I would hope so. Otherwise, they're just, you know, humoring me all these years. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know, I think it's the, the quintessential. I've always... This is, you know, the job that I have is the longest I've been in a job. And mm -hmm. four years, it's like I'm like crawling in my skin You're a itching. little bit. Yeah. And, and it's next? not it's not because it's not a lovely job and all of those things. But I think, you know, I, I'm used to the the, the the movement and the change. And I'm, I think that's, you know, I haven't lived in a place longer than two years. So having a, having this house for eight years has been also. I, I love change. I think change is exciting. I think change is important to keep <clears> you on your toes and ultimately anything that is frightening, I think is worth doing and sort of facing your fears. And that said, I've been at the same job. <laughs> <laughs> True. So um, maybe I don't love change that much. <laughs> well, you did have a very big, and I think to most people, terrifying yet exciting and wonderful change, um, which is the topic of today's conversation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I guess th it started three, almost three years ago, but then it fully came to fruition yeah. two years ago with mm -hmm. the lovely quintessential um, uh, celebrity of our group, your daughter. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and who's... Very nonchalant, nonplussed. Doesn't really give many people the time of day. That's what makes her a perfect celebrity. I know. she's. I You see her and you're, you're just like, hi. And she's like, very serious. Hello. Yeah. Exactly. Can I help you? She, um, did you? she takes a second to warm up. <laughs> she's, I appreciate it. It's a version of street smarts. Yeah, very, very much so. I think I, you know. I think she gets uh, she gets her street street smarts very clearly from one half of the relationship. If I may say so. Um, but did you always want to be a mom, like growing up, or was that a realization as time went on? Or did you? I mean, I don't know that I thought about having kids and then decided I wanted to have them until like a couple of years ago, I was like, I should actively consider whether I want this or not. But there, there's the added question of like, if you do want them, you, you know, as a woman, there's even a shorter time frame and active decision making span that you can do. And a, and a price to pay, certainly. Yeah. I think I, I, I thought about this. I because I've, I've been asked this question before. I don't think I knew what it meant to be a mom. Truly, you know, the sacrifices and the dedication and the commitment and you know the 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 mental load, all all that good stuff. I certainly had a mother that was an incredible example and certainly made it look easy, but I didn't have a full grasp of what it meant. What I did know 
is that I love children. And I knew that as much as I love to be selfish and travel and like nice things, that I wanted more out of life. At some point, there needs to be more. And I definitely saw being a parent, having a child as getting more. And, and by more, I mean growing as okay. a person. There's they It adds another layer, another complication to your life, but it still makes it more fulfilling. You know, going back to what I said was things that are hard and terrifying, I think are worth doing. Having a child becoming a parent is both hard terrifying. and terrifying. Yeah. Oh, I'm, difficult. I, I think that there's the, it takes a village mantra. And I think when I have a child, I'm going to need like three villages. Uh, I, it's and, a lot. I think that's true. And the sad irony of that is, you know, that is an age old, uh, phrase that, that is helpful to everyone, but no one really lives with their village. No one lives with their extended family nearby for the most part. And so that's what makes it challenging. You have to create that community. And sometimes you have to pay for that community via, uh, you know, a, a nanny or a babysitter. And that's always, you know, not possible. So how that's, I mean, that's a, you know, a, a really amazing question, which is this, you know, it takes a village, but nobody has a village. Right. We don't live in villages. Right. LA is not even remotely close to a village. There's very few neighborhoods that have that village sensibility. <laughs> yes. I mean, I lived in this house and it, it was, I mean, it was a desperate effort to get to know my neighbors because you never even see them. I, I've seen more of my neighbors in COVID because we, we were out walking at some time that yeah. I have in the previous eight years. I mean, it was an active effort to try to get to know the people that I, and even just to get to know their names that lived mm -hmm. around me because it's just not a thing in right. LA, which is... Or, or other big cities. Yeah. I'm sure that's the case in New York City, Boston, you know. Any yeah, I mean, growing up in rural Chicago. Indiana, everyone knew what Sally's son and Bob's daughter right. was doing on any yeah. given day. Uh, so it was, a, it was a big change for me. But here you now have a kid and you you have to construct like, okay, this terrifying concept of being a parent and being a mom and then construct a village. How do you, I mean, how do you even begin? Like, is it, do you, are there blogs and sources of information? I mean, it's friends. I know. You I have, would love it if the case were, I would there's love a guidebook. <laughs> yeah. I would love a guidebook on how to do it. I also would love sort of that the small town benefits without actually living in a small town mm, because I'm such yeah. an urban creature, you know, by, by birth. But we, I don't, my reality is I don't live on a street where this house is the house you could always go and play after school. Right. And this, this house is always, their door is always open for dinner. That's not the case. So you do have to find your people. Just, just like when I moved to LA in 2004, I had to make friends. I didn't know a single person. I didn't, no one. I felt like having a child, I had to find mom friends and you befriend people at the park. You know, your kids go to these random, you know, sort of gym classes okay. and or mommy and me or parent and me groups. And that's where you meet people and you find like minded individuals who are kind of in the thick of it along with you. I was going to say, the only people that could really understand the terrifying situation that you're yeah. in are other people also in that terrifying situation. Right. And the hope is, you know, your group of friends is also at the same place in life where you are. And that's, you know, that's not always the case. I mean, so, I'm very happy that my sisters and you will all have children by the time I have children, because 
I'm going to be calling and texting every single right. day. <laughs> like, right. but I don't know what to do. <laughs> but at that point, you know, our children might be older and you might find more kinship with a person that is in the exact same spot you are and that you can turn to someone and say, is this normal? Should they be eating this or throwing this up? Is, is, is this happening to you? And it is great comfort to hear, oh yeah, my kids doing the exact same thing. They're in the same um. rhythms. So I, I like that. And I have found that through truly just befriending uh, parents at the <laughs> playground, sometimes like a creep. And, <laughs> and also just talking to other moms at some of these like mommy and me classes that I've taken. Got it. Is it like, is it like picking it? I guess this is a horrible example, but this shows how little I know about parenting. It's like not picking like a kickball team. It's like everyone wants Juliet on their kickball team. Yeah. Everyone wants Juliet, the mom friend. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're, not, I will say this, not all of my mom friends are friends that I would pick as an individual. Okay. As, you know, it's just like a woman in the world. I don't think we connect, but I do think having a child is a great equalizer, no matter what, where you're from or what your resources are. Again, you're both in the thick of it and you're both, especially when they're infants, you're both in like a dark time. <laughs> so you can bond over that regardless of whether you two would actually connect if a child wasn't involved. Got it. No, that I mean, that makes, I, that makes sense because when I see my friends who are parents get together, there's a lot of conversation about the kids. And understandably, I have lots of questions about the kids because I see these little individuals that are like getting fully shaped personalities that are, are just fascinating. But, I, you know, there was that, you know, COVID's added that whole other layer on top of it of, you know, what parents can you trust that are being safe yeah. and all those other things. I think I read a New York Times article that said, you know, there was a, it was a woman who was a child psychologist and a, and a renowned mommy blogger. And she was saying, you know, are you, you know, have your kids killed another child? <laughs> no. Okay. Do your kids occasionally eat something other than chocolate and pizza? Mm. Yes. Okay, great. Then you're good. Right, like, like right. In, in, in COVID world, like accept that, that, that messiness, that yeah. chaos is, is, is where it's at and it's all going to work out from that point of view. And I should also pay you a compliment. You've been incredibly patient and good natured with all your friends when they are just talking about their kids. Because when I was single, and didn't have a child, I was really annoyed by that fact where people with children only talked okay. about their kids. And my good group of girlfriends actually had a separate text chain that they would exclude me from <laughs> so they wouldn't like bore me or scare me because I thought it was awful. Like all people are talking about are their kids. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, they are just such a huge part of your life. Yeah. and such a time consuming part of your life. And they add such a amazing yet difficult layer that of course is going to come up in conversation. Of course you want to see what other people are doing. You're I mean, seeking as if someone else had it figured out and you didn't because we're all <laughs> flying blind here. I mean, that's the, the funny thing. There's two views about that. One of which is I'm obviously very patient because I'm trying to crib everything that I can learn from like, I'm like, I'm going to try to cheat the angle and listen to everyone. Yeah. But that dovetails with that, that same idea, which is as long as there have been humans, there have been parents, bold statement, I know, but <laughs> we, you know, everyone flies blind going into the situation. It's almost like um, the, you know, there's like a wall of like before parent and after parent, and you can't mm -hmm. see beyond what that wall is like or learn what that wall is like until you're in it. Yeah. It's, you know, there it's the, oh, the Fermi paradox, right? Like there, where like life goes to a certain point and then hits that, that curtain and then only one part makes through. And yeah. I'm like, I am fascinated with this idea that like 
all of my friends, I, I see and hear that like similar refrains, they're going through very different things. It's similar refrains of like, they're like, I had no idea what parenting was like until I became a parent. Why is that? Like, what, like, like, cause there are all these books on parenting. There's all these yeah. blogs, but they're not, they're, they're helpful in a tactical way, I guess. Right. Like you learn that red wine gets out white wine from like right, right, house, right. good housekeeping blogs and things yeah. like that. But like in real time, you find somebody like my child's eating paste is your child eating paste. Is it that like, Right. Uh, sure. And you can bond over over stuff like that. Like my my daughter, Maya, went through a, a phase where she just wanted to spin in place. Like she would just stand in the kitchen and turn and turn and turn <laughs> until she got dizzy and fell down. And it's funny. And I posted that on Instagram and I had so many people's response. Like my kids doing the exact same thing. And <laughs> all these kids are giving themselves CTE. No, at a totally. young age. And what you realize is between a certain um, age, it's something about like their spatial reasoning and them getting their bearings and figuring out where they are physically in the world. And that it's a very like early childhood development milestone. Again, things I didn't realize until I posted on Instagram and then I did a cursory Google. So (laughs) to answer your question, yes, are totally amazing, brilliant books on parenting and Everyone you'll meet will have an opinion and some sort of unsolicited advice. (laughs) But ultimately, I think why people are flying blind is because everyone brings their own baggage to parenting. Okay. Everyone's been parented differently. We repeat and model what we know. And there's a layer of complication. Also, all of these children are different people in their own rights. And they have... (laughs) their own personalities and what works for one does not necessarily work for the other. And so you have to figure it out. And I remember reading all the books and just as many books I read, there was also a camp uh, that would say, you can read all the books you want, but no one knows your child better than you. So just follow your gut and instinctually do what you think is right, which to a person like me, to a type A research loving (laughs) google loving uh person would make me want to rip my hair out i mean you are that mean you are very methodical about it like this is what i love is like i if i want to know like if you've purchased a new i don't know mixer you have researched you've researched the mixer i do have a consumer reports account yes and And I appreciate that because everything that I've ever purchased on your recommendation has been amazing. Like from my Shanghai tank pajamas all the way down to. Thank you. um, What a compliment. But so it's you're flying blind and for somebody who plans it. Yeah. So I read all the books and ultimately books will say do X. And I found that I can go 70 percent on that advice. And the remaining 30 is unique to my child. (laughs) <laughs> and be like, that doesn't work for her. I guess we'll do a hybrid. I mean, you, and this is, it reminds me of this experience I was having driving in a blizzard once. And the there was a whiteout condition. You could not see more than five mm-hmm. inches in front of the car, which I had never been in. And I had to get where I was going. I couldn't pull over. And it was just, I was for two hours driving to Mammoth to meet my family. I was driving at what? five, 10 mm-hmm. miles an hour. Terrifying. You can't see for two hours. You can't see more than five inches in front of the car. Startup and, horror movie. Yeah, but hundred <laughs> percent. It was a horror movie. Uh, and, and then at any moment you could wreck the car, right? Mm-hmm. And you, there, it wasn't because you were driving badly or driving fast. It was just, 
you literally, the amount of time it would take you to see something, you would already have hit it. I see where this is going. And so I feel like yes. parenting is like driving for example is going. 18 years. Yeah, 18 years. My, my metaphors are very long, mm -hmm. but I sometimes get there. And I feel like you're driving for 18 years in a blizzard. And that could be exhausting and terrifying in so many ways. I don't think you'll know what kind of parent you were until your child is squarely in their 30s. And you see, have they landed on their feet? Are they in relationships? What kinds of partners are they? Are they parents? What kind of parents are they? I mean, it is a long, long con, essentially, this whole parenting <laughs> game. And you don't know where you, where it's going to end up. And certainly, no matter how much you try, all you can do is, you know, be present and do your best on a daily basis and just accept that your child will probably end up in some form of therapy. <laughs> every, I, listen, I, I every, just hope there's no drug addiction, but therapy I've accepted. Yes. I mean, I think everyone needs to be in therapy at some point for a variety of sure. reasons, but if you can afford it, insurance will cover it. Go for it. Complex. How, what an indulgent time to just talk <laughs> about yourself for an hour. Yeah. And I, <laughs> that's, I, I never thought about it that way, but that makes, that makes absolute sense. But you're in the trenches with someone in 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 your case, yes. not in not in everybody's case, but in this case, you. It, but that person is also a very different person mm -hmm. who comes to the table. Like your husband brings something very different to the table. So, and there's a difference between being a mom and being a dad, and all of the societal in, sort of pressures that come with gender roles and all these things. It's it's one of those things. Like I'm fascinated by, you know, in this time, there's just so many like tragic circumstances where you see. You know, uh, you know, a mother who's a working mom has young children and there's no school. She has to be home with them, right? Like she legally has to be home with kids who are like eight and five, but she also legally needs to have a job to help provide for her family and like is faced in, into this horrible, tragic Faustian choice. And it's like, and you know, that for all of the balance of like, yes, there are stay-at-home dads and yes, there are dads who are equal parenting with their moms. They're just very different societal frictures on mm -hmm. on the journey of men and women for the last 50 years and it, it's amazing to me when I see how far we have and have not come at the same at right. the same time in that how does that I mean well certainly I think single parents uh, men or women gender not conforming if you are a single parent you are in my book a superhero I mean that's it's no ins, matter I, how I don't you know how do to it, pull that off whether you do yeah. with help without help with family without family the fact that you are the sole physical and emotional support pillar for a small person <laughs> is a full-time job. It, it tr I mean, the, we'll talk about the weight on those people's shoulders. So to me, if you know of a single parent in your life, you have to shower them with more gifts than normal. Yes. On every holiday, not just Christmas or Hanukkah, St. Patrick's Day, you know, I am Martin Luther <laughs> King Day, any day. Any day. I am, I... Buy I, them a coffee. <laughs> if what, I have one friend who's a single mom and I'm always like, when do you want to come over and hang out by the pool? When like right. bring bring your daughter, like let's hang out. And she is a miracle worker in that context. And I'm just I'm baffled by how she seems to pull it off and doesn't I mean doesn't seem to the outside world like she's pulling her hair, but yeah. she has to be at some point. And that said with a partner, it's easier with another set of hand. Absolutely. But you don't know how you both are gonna be as parents. You don't know how you're both gonna be compatible just because you're compatible as life partners does not mean you'll be compatible in your parenting approaches. One and wants styles. to give cake and the other does not. Right. <laughs> These are all conversations you I, theoretically have before, you know, said children enter the picture, but it's, it's all abstract until you're in it. And again, and as I mentioned, people are 
parenting and reacting from the models in their <clears> lives. So you can, you know, parent on autopilot based on what you know. You can also parent consciously where you're actually thinking about why you're saying things, why you are putting forth certain ultimatums and punishments, what have you. It's a very, which is what we do. And it is incredibly just exhausting <laughs> to think about these things. Like if I do X, what will happen with Y? And why am I, you know, saying X to get to the Y result? Like it's like, a, and you're also pulling, as you said, you're pulling on a 30 year string. So like, yes. It's like there's the unintended butterfly effect, which is, you know, if you step off and crush a butterfly by accident, then right. you, does your child end up? And I'm sure what is true with most people, there are things you would like to replicate and other things you would like to change. And again, no one's no one's perfect. I make mistakes daily as a parent. <laughs> I catch myself saying things exactly like my parents would say them and I don't know where it came from where in the back of my head it's been stored for 30 plus years but out it comes and sometimes I'm thankful sometimes I'm not you know it's it's all trial and error and I think the pandemic has certainly exacerbated these tendencies uh everyone is stressed everyone is tired most people are working from home I'm will say First of all, A, I'm no expert on parenting, and B, I come from an incredibly fortunate place because I do have childcare Monday through Friday, and that allows me to work. That doesn't mean I'm not tired. That doesn't mean I, you know, I'm go, going out. There's nowhere to go. Where right. We've been in quarantine since March. So I, I definitely see why people and how people can be put forth in these really tricky positions where right. they have to scale back at work or completely retreat from the workforce. And I've read that New York Times article and all the other subsequent articles basically saying how this will set women back decades in the workforce. Um, we, you know, we all, we all have a price to pay as parents, women certainly more than men. And that price has gotten even higher during the pandemic. Listen, from the outside, and it's always from the outside, you appear to be holding up <laughs> as well as any parent I know, which, and doing amazing things. And Maya has this robust, amazing personality, and she she's like a miniature human being. So I appreciate that. The, the, the one responsibility I feel as a parent, and I, I wonder if my husband will say the same thing, is because there is, you have to hold up. There is no way you can like crumble under pressure because no matter how bad it is or how sad you feel for yourself your kid's still gonna wake up very early tomorrow morning and you still have to be on your game you oh. can't be hung over you can't be really tired because they will demand of you everything attention food clothing <laughs> going to the potty like everything will be demanded of you so i i don't know if other people feel this way I feel like I have to be on my game. Like I can't get sick. I can't get the flu. I can't get COVID. I can't get a cold because I cannot be out of commission. Well, I mean, I stretches of time. I can, I can verify. In fact, several of my friends have said the same thing, but it's also a quintessentially Jenny phrase that I've learned from you, which is like, it's going to be all right because it, it has to be it all right. It's a very, right. it's a, it's, it's going to be all right. Cause you will make it be all right. It's a very op, op optimistic and amazing phrase that I, I have not, it, it took me a while to ingest that from you. It's I think a version I, of that phrase. What do people like you make your own luck? Cause yes. when you work hard, those are lucky people. Yes. 
They're not lucky. Yeah. They just work really, really hard. <laughs> well, I mean, you are working really hard and you're uh, doing very good things that it looks lucky from the outside. Well, I appreciate so. <laughs> you saying that. I appreciate you noticing that I work hard. <laughs> Definitely. And I will be cribbing everything that I can uh, and texting you incessantly someday what, when I have children. What I so. won't do when you have a child, though, and I and it's hard not to do it to my very, very good friends, is give unsolicited advice. Oh, I, I'll be soliciting it you, all like, well, internally. Well, it's fine if you ask for it. It's fine if you ask for it. But I find it very hard especially with close friends. I don't do it with yeah. strangers. Though. With close friends, if I see them doing something that like, that I know is going to be a mistake or going to lead to something terrible, because frankly, I've done it. And then I had to like come back from it or pay the price. It's hard for me not to warn them early on. And you know, no one, no one wants unsolicited advice. No one, because it reads as judgment. No one I, asked for it. It's been a, a great effort on it's my part. It's something uh, I've learned in therapy. Yeah, you know? I, I, you know, I, I've, I'm made progress, and I don't do it when other people are driving. So I'm going to try to do it when I, when right. I have kids, it's and then same, same fundamental principle. Thing. Well, thank you for taking time out of the hard work to sit with me today First and off, share I'm your story. Flattered <laughs> to, to come onto a podcast to talk about parenting as if I'm some sort of expert, as if I have vast years of experience. I've only had a child. For for two years who knows what's gonna happen next <laughs> but i think that's the most that you I might think, all go to pot next year <laughs> and then you'd you'd have to you know do an addendum to this <laughs> where are they now the yeah, follow-up where uh, are they now just in a ditch i think I like think that snl skin in the van down by the river yes exactly. oh <laughs> gosh matt, matt foley yeah exactly no i think but i think that's the most important part is we can be inundated with people all over social media experts book authors everything else but people this is a bad i'm placing maybe i'm wrong people want to hear from other real life people. And that's ultimately the the story of not just this episode, but every episode, which is like, it's not the world according to Craig. It's the world according to real amazing everyday people that I happen to know. And mm -hmm. like, I want to learn things from. So this is really all about, <laughs> it's all about you. It's all about me and what I need that's to fair. learn from other people. So I think it's important to, to speak to people with experience. Like I found when I was looking for a therapist, it was important for me to speak to someone who was not only experienced, but was also a parent. And, yeah. and it made it easier to, for that person to be a woman. I found it very, I find it similarly uh, comforting and reassuring to know that the person I hired to take care of my child was also a parent and right. had experience, you know? So we all have certain touch points that we need to relate to. So I appreciate hopefully being a future touch point for you. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so much for sharing the experience if with me and with anyone who watches this. And thank you so much for <laughs> tuning into the world according to Craig. And thank you to Jenny for joining us. Uh, I hope you tune in next week because we have another amazing friend with more insight that I'm just learning to crib from for my future <laughs> self. So thanks and we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the world according to Craig. But it's not really the world according to me. It's according to some incredible people that I know with real everyday stories that we can all take inspiration from. I hope you'll tune in every week for a new episode of The World According to Craig.